0: Before we get started, uh, before we get started, you got it up there already, come on. <laughs> I did. I want to thank Fiona for sharing last week. was excellent, fit right in with what I'd shared before and what I want to share today and over the next few weeks. And so uh, thank you. Excellent. Uh, we need to pray because I want to challenge some of your thinking this morning. I never do that, do I? Uh, but it really takes the Holy Spirit because I realized after the first service that what I was real excited about, what I was saying, a lot of people were kind of looking at me with, Really? Could that really be true? I'm not making this stuff up. It could be true. Holy Spirit, we're grateful to you who lead us into truth. And we open our heart to you again this morning. For your word that were not just inspired, but changed, transformed to be more like Jesus. Have your way. Amen. Psalm one forty five, starting at verse eight, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion. You didn't know that, did you? Okay, we can go home now. No. The Lord is good to, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. All your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. That's what we've been doing. Worship is not about us. It's about him. It's about blessing him. Uh, You shall, they shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power. That's what we're going to do this morning. I want to talk about the advancing, the kingdom advancing The advancing kingdom of God. To make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. Just over in Psalm. Sorry. Isaiah. I was just in Psalm. I can't read my notes here. And I typed them. I didn't even write them. (laughs) Psalm uh, Isaiah. Chapter uh, 9, verse 7. Verse 6 is, For unto us a child is born. Verse 7 says, Of the increase of his government or kingdom and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with justice and judgment from this time forth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Talks about a kingdom that is advancing. And not declining. Matthew chapter 13. Verse 31. Another parable he put forth to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. And indeed is the least of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Another parable he said to them, The kingdom of heaven is like leaven or yeast, Which a woman took and hid in three measures of milk till it was all leavened. Talking about this seed of the kingdom that is expanding to impact everything. We sometimes think that isn't happening, but it is. One more, Matthew 11. And verse twelve says, "In the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence." That's a difficult expression in the Greek. Uh, it can actually be translated as "forcefully advancing," and the forceful lay hold of it. The kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing, and the forceful lay hold of it. Jack Hayford said this. The upheaval caused by the kingdom of God is not caused by political provocation or armed advance. It is the result of God's order shaking relationships, households, cities, and nations by the entry of the Holy Spirit's power working in people. The upheaval of the kingdom is because of the entry of the Holy Spirit's power working in people. I want to talk about this advancing kingdom. Now, I've got to give you a little bit of a legal disclaimer and that we're talking about trends, okay? I'll tell you why that's important a little bit later on, but we're we'll talking about trends. Tim has been fantastic and has put together some, uh, some slides for me. Uh, So the first one is a graph of the world population growth. Uh, Isn't this exciting? Aren't you really thrilled you came this morning? (laughs) As you can see, it took a long time for the world, 1,800 years to reach a billion people, and then a little over uh, 100 years to reach 2 billion, and then it just kind of took off. We're now at just about 7.5. 8 billion, 7.7, depending on who you talk to. 7.8 billion, is pretty big. But, the Christian population also has an interesting curve. And then it also started very slow. And then something dramatic happened. It began to have a huge impact. Keep that, well, we'll come back to this, but let me give you some statistics. In sub-Saharan Africa, that's Africa below the Sahara Desert, in 1910, it was about 7% Christian. In 2010, 63% Christian. The kingdom's advancing. In Brazil, today, over 50% of the population are Christian. 109 million of 209 million population for those of you who are very quick in math, that's about 52.4 percent. You guys, you guys had worked that out already, right? I'm looking at the uh, the young people; they had already worked that one out. The kingdom's advancing in China. Estimates of. Uh, about 20% of the population are Christians. The official deal is about 10%, which is registered with the uh, government, but they say when you add the house churches that aren't registered, it's another 10%. So about 20%, which is about 250 million Christians in China. The kingdom's advancing. In Indonesia, the largest Muslim nation in the world, 30 to 40 million Christians. The Middle East... This is exciting, I wanna read this quote to you. In December 2001, Sheikh Adma al Qatani, president of the Companions Lighthouse for the Science of Islamic Law, that's a uh, Islamic university, and he was the president. So this is not a Christian talking about Muslims, this is a Muslim talking about Muslims. Appeared on a live interview on Al Jazeera television. He declared the following. There are now 1.5 million churches whose congregations account for 46 million people in the Middle East. In every hour, 667 Muslims convert to Christianity. This is a Muslim sh- sh- sheikh declaring this. Every day, 16,000 Muslims convert to Christianity. Every year, 6 million Muslims convert to Christianity. These numbers are very large indeed. That was in 2001. From 2001 to 2020, if continuing at at the rate that he set, not increasing as we're going to see, the kingdom is increasing, that would be 114 million more. And so for a total of 160 million Muslims who have converted to Christianity in the last 40 years, Guys, I didn't make this up. This is just research. Was he saying that's a problem? He, yeah, he was saying, obviously, he was saying to those guys that that's a problem. We're saying, yes, it is for you. <laughs> but not for the kingdom. So the kingdom has been investing. Something's happened. Can you go back to the, uh, the graph? Uh, the first, not the other graph. This, yeah, the second one. Something happened. Between 1900 and 2000, the the church began to take off. The kingdom began to expand. Two, Two great things happened in the last century. One, 1906, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit called the Azusa Street Outpouring of Movement which began the Pentecostal churches. And in 1960, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit called the Charismatic Movement which impacted denominational churches. Today, about 25% of the Christian population are spirit-empowered. Those two things have had a huge impact. But I wanna actually, that's what's been happening. I wanna look forward a little bit. Okay, now when you look forward, it's extrapolation. This hasn't happened let me tell you this, from 1900 to 1970, the Christian population doubled in the world, 70 years. From 1970 to 2000, it doubled again, 30 years. From 2000 to 2020, it doubled, more than doubled in that time period. Christian population is now one-third of the world's population, the the number of Christians. 2.4 billion. At that rate, the Christian population will double again in the next 10 to 15 years. And then double again after that in the next 10 years. I didn't make this up. This is just math. So give me the extrapolated graph. This continues, it looks like this. Now look at that for a second. What does that say? In the next 10 years, the Christian population will be half of the whole world. In the next 10 years after that, it will actually reach the whole world's population. Now, my legal disclaimer, I'm not prophesying. The focus is not the date. The focus is the trend. The kingdom is advancing faster than the population. God's on the move. This isn't contrary to the Bible. Even though I'm not prophesying something, it's actually the Bible says that this yeast is going to impact the whole measure. It says this kingdom is increasing. This is why I had to tell you this, because when I see this, I just get crazily excited, and you're all just going, what? (laughs) It takes some getting used to, doesn't it? Because somehow we've been told that we're losing. Somehow we've been told the devil's winning. Just the opposite. This is not prophecy. This is math. (laughs) Let me give you some prophecy, though not mine, Smith Wigglesworth, 1947. Smith Wigglesworth, uh, a man used of God, died in March of 1947 just before passing away. Felt God had given him a word and it was this. During the next few decades, there will be two distinct moves of the Holy Spirit across the church. The first move will affect every church that is open to receive it. And would be characterized by the restoration of the baptism and gifts of the Holy Spirit. Guys, that was the charismatic outpouring, charismatic movement began in the mid-1960s. He's prophesying this just about two decades before that. The second move of the Holy Spirit will result in people leaving historic churches and planting new churches. That's us. In the duration of each of these in the duration of each of these moves, the people who are involved will say, this is a great revival. But the Lord says, no. Neither is the great revival, but both are steps toward it. When the new church phase, this planning of churches, what's happened, as the, the Spirit of God, the charismatic outpouring affected denominational churches, many people were asked to leave those churches because they were filled with the Spirit and the church didn't accept that, so they left. And there was a wave of church planting from the 1980s through to today. And he says, uh, when the new church phase is on the wane, there will be evidence in the churches of something that has not been seen before. A coming together of those with an emphasis on the Word and those with an emphasis on the Spirit. When the Word and the Spirit come together, there will be the biggest move of the Holy Spirit that the nations indeed the world have ever seen. It will mark the beginning of a revival that will eclipse anything that has been witnessed. What have we witnessed? The greatest move of God in the history of the planet. And this prophes- is prophesying something even greater. So what does that say? The Word, the math, And the Spirit say we're in a great move of God. Right? The Word says it's going to increase. The Mass says it is increasing, and the Spirit says it will continue to increase even more so. Which means in the next 10 to 15 years, the number of Christians on the planet will double, 2.4 to 4.6 or 4.8 billion people. Whoa! And then in 10 years after that, it will double again. (laughs) That's exciting stuff, isn't it? What does this mean for you? I'm I'm glad you asked that question. (laughs) Because by asking it, it means that you don't want to just be hearers of the word, but doers. See, we could stop here, and we could all go home and say, "Yeah, we're winning." That's good. Let's be excited. The kingdom's advancing. But being doers and not hearers means we ask the question, what does that mean for us? You'll find if you're relatively new here, we do that quite a lot. And I thank you every time for asking that. (laughs) So what does it mean for us? (laughs) You know, if you say for us fast, it sounds like for us. So all those blessings of God pours out his his mercy for us. God pours out his love for us. I just claim all those. Pours out his mercy for us. Esther chapter 4, verse 14. If you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish, yet who knows whether you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this? He's basically saying God's going to bring his purpose about. The question isn't whether God's going to save Israel. The question is, Esther, are you going to be part of it? You've, who knows whether you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this? I want to turn that around and say, You have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. It's not a question any longer. You live in the most exciting time of the advancement of the kingdom in all of history. That's not an accident. You've come to the kingdom for such a time. The question isn't, is the kingdom going to advance? We've seen it is. The question is, are you going to be part of it? God's going to advance his kingdom. The math is still the math. Sorry, when I get excited, my voice gets loud. We're sitting in a restaurant the other day, Mary said, Russ, you've got your preaching voice on. (laughs) See, the great thing is God's moving, and he invites us to partner with him. Johan said a few weeks ago, why does God speak prophetic words? Because they're an invitation to partner with him. God knows what he's going to do. He doesn't have to tell us what he's going to do. He's going to do it. He speaks it as an invitation for us to partner with him. I'm going to keep repeating that because that was one of the greatest revelations I've had this year. It is a good one. Kingdom's advancing. He's inviting us to join in. Turn with me to Luke chapter 9. Jesus is walking, verse 57. Guy says, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Is Jesus trying to discourage him? I don't think so. I think he's saying, you need to know what you're getting into. See, one of the things that will stop us from being a part of what God is doing is concern for our lifestyle more than the kingdom. Oh, God, I, I'm not sure I can do that. I, I have this nice house that's very comfortable. Then he said to another, follow me. And he said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. Sounds like very honoring, but really it's about future. See, burying the father means I get the inheritance. I'm waiting until I get the I'm waiting till the future is secure. And then... I'll follow you. None of you have ever said this, but I've heard people who have say, I gotta get my business established first and then I'll be all in for the kingdom. Uh Uh-oh. I said, Lord, I'll follow you, but first let me go and bid farewell here in my house. That's family. I've gotta get married first. My kids, my family. Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus isn't saying that lifestyle, future, and family are bad. He's saying, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added. They're good until they take the first place of the kingdom, until they become part of the strategy of the enemy. What Jesus is saying is that the strategy of the enemy that stops us from following with what God is doing and being a part is to delay or distract us. When I've done this, then I will. Delay. Oh, I've got this other thing that's important, distraction. Let me first get married. The devil's strategy is to distract and delay. Lifestyle, future, family. Let me ask you this morning are you all in? Or are you partially in? Or will you be all in in the future? Or will you be all in? when you're financially established? Or will you be all in after you have a family? See, being all in, kingdom is not just Sunday. We have this thing in our culture where we think spiritual is Sunday and the rest of the week, the rest of our life is natural and we separate those two and we say, on Sunday I do the spiritual thing, Sunday I'm all in for the kingdom and the rest of the week, I'm pursuing other things. Lifestyle, future, family. Are you all in? The kingdom's advancing. Most exciting time in the history. It's happening. It's not dependent on you happening. It's happening. The question is, Are you responding to Jesus's invitation to partner with him? There's another ploy of the devil besides delaying and distracting and that's to derail. Last week Mary shared a word about, felt the Holy Spirit was saying that there's leaders who've had the legs cut out from underneath them. But I want to say it's not just leaders, it's many believers. We experience disappointment or hurt. And we lose something of the life of God and we get derailed. When we started this church, God spoke to us, Ezekiel 37, him breathing life to dry bones. There's a valley of dry bones and he's breathing life. And we said, yeah, great. A few months later, said, we've done that. We'll get on to something else. And he said, nope. A few months later, he said, okay, we've done that, and he keeps saying, this is still what I'm doing. I'm still breathing life to dry bones. He's saying to those who have been derailed, it's an opportunity for you to come back and be part of the greatest move of God in history, things that you look forward to from the time you were young, you get to be a part of them now. not because we're special, but because He's amazing. Yeah. Bible says that you live, your time and your place are determined by Him. You're here. You're alive now because of Him. You're here in this place because of Him. Now that either says in this most exciting time in history, we're the the special ones who can do it. Or it says he's so big that he can even use us. (laughs) I actually think it's the second part. (laughs) But the reality is we are the ones who are here right now. We're the ones who get to be a part. What does that look like? It looks like equipping the saints, everyone doing the work of the the kingdom doubles in the next 10 years. Every one of you is going to have to be leading people. If it doubles again in 10 years, what are we going to do? Except for the Holy Spirit, we're going to just die. <laughs> it's going to be overwhelming. God's breathing life. Somebody, let me ask you. Have you had a foot in the world? And a foot in the kingdom. Have you said, oh, I'll do the church thing on Sunday, but the rest of the week I live for me? The challenge of the Spirit is that that doesn't work any longer. Yeah, I'll, I'll commit my life to Jesus later on. I'm kind of enjoying my lifestyle now. I like some of the, the world stuff. And I know, and I'll do it at some point, point. and the Holy Spirit's saying, that doesn't work any longer. Let me get family first. All good things. Or... Have you been hurt, disappointed, and derailed? Would you bow your head? Just respond to the Holy Spirit. We ask him to speak to us, he's speaking. We ask him to make adjustments, he's making them. In his amazing love and mercy, he's inviting us to partner with him. We just simply be soft. What he's saying. Lord, we stand amazed that we get to live at this time. Lord, we're just so encouraged to see what you're doing and the advancement of your kingdom. And Lord, when we look at what that means, if half the population of Launceston were to get saved in the next 10 or 15 years, what would that look like? Our family, our friends. As Steve said, Steve Brown said earlier, no greater joy than having the opportunity of introducing someone to Jesus. That's the privilege of every one of us. Lord, we just thank you that for that opportunity to partner with you. We recognize that we need the empowering of your Spirit. That's what's made the difference in the last hundred years. Was you putting your Spirit in every believer? And we say once again, will you fill me anew and afresh, Holy Spirit? Will you empower me anew and afresh? Will you manifest your supernatural uh, life through me? Uh, Again, Holy Spirit. And I simply say I'm all in. I'm all in. Change my perspective from the Little and the immediate to the bigger of what you're doing. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand? I have you uh, stand so I can dismiss you because I learned a couple weeks ago that if I dismiss you while you're all seated, you just stay there. <laughs> I learned that at the first service. They all just sat there. And uh, while we try to tell people they have to leave so that the next service could come in because of the COVID things, Uh, they didn't. So, God bless you. Have a a spirit-empowered week and recognize that you go as his ambassador. Thank you, Lord, amen.